0: Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me. Yeah, idiot. Hello, and welcome to episode number 59 of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. Today's episode, or I guess more precisely this week's episode, today's episode implies that I do a daily podcast, and you all know that that's not true. This is a weekly podcast. So on on this week's episode of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, I'm going to be talking about horror. And... I think more specifically, it's, it's probably more fair to, to think about this week's episode as, uh, as a meditation on horror. Or meditations on horror. Meditations, plural. I don't know. My point is, I have, I have some thoughts about horror. Horror in terms of uh, horror writing, horror movies, horror television shows. The horror genre in general... Uh, but that said, I, I, I don't consider myself uh, an expert uh, in in the genre of horror, but I am a fan, and I do have thoughts on it. And so I I just wanted to take some time this week to talk to you guys about it, in the hopes that uh, you, and that you'll find these ideas as as uh, as interesting as I do. And if it turns out you don't, then I appreciate you listening nonetheless, but but hopefully you'll find them interesting. So uh, as far as my, my meditation on horror goes, uh, I, I, I think it's best to start with a question, a very simple question. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a question that goes directly from me to me. I'm going to ask myself a question. It's a question I already know the answer to, but you may not know. So, as a rhetorical device, I'll ask the question in order to to get things started. So, here's the question: Am I a horror writer? See, simple question. I'll even be more specific. Just I, I would hate for there to be any confusion. So, uh, uh, to be more specific, am I Martin Lestraps the author of horror novel Inside the Outside? a whore writer, and as I ask myself that question, and believe me, I've, this, as I sit down to, to talk to you this week, this isn't the first time I've asked myself this question, but I've answered this question for myself long before I sat down here today, and the answer is this, technically, yes, technically, yes, I am a whore writer. Although, the the, the reason I qualify the answer with, uh, with technically is I'm not convinced that it's fair to call myself a horror writer, even though, again, technically, I am a horror writer. See, it becomes a tricky dance with nuance, I think, because at this point in my young career as a novelist, I've only published one novel and as i mentioned just a minute ago that novel is called inside the outside and inside the outside is most definitely a horror novel and it's not only it's not just a horror novel by you know by 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 my standard and my account but it's a it's a horror novel by you know by the the great majority of of readers who've uh, who've read inside the outside and especially those readers uh, who love inside the outside, you know, regard it as a horror novel because that's what it is. I, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's read as a horror novel. It's marketed as a horror novel. If you went to, uh, if if you went to look for it on Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble or the iTunes bookstore or, or most any place you can buy books, you would find it uh, under the category of horror. So you know, it's it's not. Uh, you know that part of it is not nuanced right it's you know it, it's a horror novel and so because inside the outside is by all accounts a horror novel and i'm the author of said horror novel and it's the only novel that exists in my in my bibliography of of uh, of written works or at the very least written novels right then uh then yeah i guess technically that makes me a horror writer but uh that begs a second question i think and that second question is do i consider myself a horror writer and the answer to that question is no and notice i didn't qualify that with with uh with technically no uh, if you're, if if the question is, do I consider myself a horror writer? Then the answer is no. It's a definitive no, and that probably sounds kind of counterintuitive. And I'll, I'll actually, I plan on addressing that during, during the during this meditation, on horror. Now, as far as inside the outside goes, uh, for anybody who's not familiar with the story or you haven't read it, uh, if you you haven't read it yet, he said, optimistically. Uh, it's a, the story is about a cult of cannibals who, amongst other things, engage in ritual sacrifices uh, and, uh, well, you know, uh, they they eat people. And amongst the people that they eat, they eat members of their own community because, you know, that's, these are the people that they're, uh, you know, sacrificing. And again, if you've never read it, then, you know, you can take my word for it that there's plenty of blood and gore and violence and all of all of that sort of you know visceral scary stomach-turning stuff that you would expect to find in a horror novel it all exists there um, so so yeah I mean again it's a horror novel I wrote it I wrote a horror novel but I don't consider myself uh, a horror writer and and ha- even saying that you know that's I, I say that completely aware That my second novel, which is agonizingly close to being published, it's so close that I want to tell you right now the date that I plan on publishing it. Like, that's how close it is. It's so close to being published, I know the date that it's dropping. The reason that I won't say it right now in front of the microphone is... uh. I don't know maybe maybe it's maybe it's because I'm something of a of a pragmatist if that's the right word and you know I don't want to I don't I don't like sharing information before all my ducks are in a row and so at this point um almost all of my ducks are in a row but until everything is set I don't want to you know I don't want to spout off any information that may end up changing down the line but that said I pretty much know when the novel's coming out and it's so close that uh you you should put put some money aside put some money aside today and put some time aside and get ready to read my next novel very very soon so that's all I'll say for right now but that said my second novel which is agonizingly close to being published will also exist at least partially under the umbrella of horror so that said not only is my first novel a horror novel but my second novel which is going to be about vampires also you know would w- would reasonably be considered a horror novel and yet despite my first two novels you know one published one soon to be published and the two novels following it will also be horror novels because you know my next three books are it's going to be a trilogy it's a vampire trilogy so then by that count if we're keeping a tally that's four novels. My first four novels will, will essentially be horror novels, and yet that said, I'm not comfortable calling myself a horror writer. Now, before I say anything else, uh, I want to be sure that any anybody out there listening right now, I- anybody, especially anybody who, if you are a lover of of horror uh specifically if you're a lover of horror uh fiction if you're a writer of horror fiction uh, i don't i don't want you guys uh to to get the impression that i'm disparaging horror writing or the genre of horror and i definitely don't want you to get the impression that i'm somehow distancing myself from the genre of horror i'm most definitely not doing that in fact i love horror I mean, if I didn't love horror, then you know it kind of stands to reason that my that my first four novels, one published, the next three soon to be published, it, it you know I, I I couldn't have written n- novels that either either whether you consider them horror or inspired by horror or you know whatever I couldn't have written these books if I didn't love horror. So I love horror, and I suppose that begs a second question, right? Uh, If my first four novels are essentially horror novels and I've just exclaimed on the record that I love horror, then why don't I consider myself a horror writer? Well, I, I think in large part, when I think of horror writers, I think of writers who are entrenched in the genre. Writers who understand the, the tropes of horror, writers who are familiar with the prominent voices of horror, uh, writers who actively engage in the horror community, whether it's, you know, being members of the Horror Writers Association and attending, you know, monthly meetings, uh, or even if, uh, you know, maybe go to the annual, uh, you know, Horror Writers Convention, uh, or maybe maybe you maybe you maybe you love reading horror, right? And you go to you go to horror writing book clubs. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's several of those that exist. But in terms of horror writers, I guess, and that's what I'm talking about. When I think of horror writers, that's what I think about. I think I think about writers who are, you know, absolutely entrenched in the genre. And I and I have complete respect for that. And you know, I've it, Especially over the last couple of years since I published Inside the Outside, uh, which, which I published in 2011 for anybody keeping score, I've met several writers who meet that description. And I have great, great respect for them. And truly, it's because of the respect that I do have for them that I don't feel comfortable calling myself a horror writer. Because I am not entrenched in the horror genre, Uh, I don't profess to have a complete understanding of the tropes of the horror genre, I am absolutely, unequivocally, and I guess a little bit embarrassingly not familiar with the prominent voices of the horror genre And, uh, and I also don't actively engage in the horror community. So, so for all those reasons, I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself a horror writer that and I guess, I guess more than that, more than that, um, I, I, you know, just as, as, as far as being a writer goes, I just have a lot of different stories that I want to tell. And at the end of the day, when, you know, when, uh, you know, as I, as I go through my life and I, and I write books for the whole rest of my life which which is what I plan on doing I completely expect to write several horror novels I'm sure it's going to happen but those aren't the only stories that I enjoy and they're not the only they're not the only stories that I that I plan on writing not that that's the definition of a horror writer certainly somebody can call themselves a horror writer but still write other stuff but that said you know I I just you know for me at this point it just so happens that my first four novels are horror but again I don't really think of myself as a horror writer but again like I said I'm not distancing myself from the genre I love horror and that's absolutely true since I'm a kid since I was a little boy I've loved horror but here's where I think the distinction comes and and here's part of why I don't think of myself as a horror writer Especially specifically, you know, as it concerns horror writers that are that are actively part of the 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 community of 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 fiction writers, prose fiction horror writers, if you will. My love of horror is founded primarily in the movies. So growing up, I adored watching horror movies. it's It's kind of funny now that I say that out loud to you know to to attach the word adore with horror movies, but I mean, you know, but it's, but it's true. I loved watching horror movies as a kid. You know, when I was, when I was in elementary school, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees were staples of my childhood. And it wasn't just me. It was, it was all the kids, you know, that uh, around my age, we loved horror movies and we loved Freddy Krueger and we loved Jason Voorhees. We loved Nightmare on Elm Street and we loved Friday the 13th and we loved Halloween and we loved all the various, uh, sequels that came along with it, and I can remember every Halloween, you know, every 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 kid, at least you know, every kid that I knew wanted to be Freddy Krueger for Halloween. And I remember, uh, I remember the Halloween that, uh, that the Freddy Krueger uh, glove with the with the knives on the fingertips, when you could actually buy uh, a replica of Freddy Krueger glove, and it was the coolest thing. And if there was even one kid at your school that had that glove, then you know everybody surrounded that kid and checked out the glove, and you were just in awe of it. We love that stuff. I love that stuff. But as far as horror fiction goes, I am not very well read at all. Now, I've read my fair share of Steve, Stephen King novels and short stories, and he's actually a very good example of a writer who I think by and large, when, uh, when the general public thinks about Stephen King, I'm sure they, they think of him as a horror writer. And, and that's you know, I don't know. It's probably fair. I have no idea what he thinks about that. He's written certainly. He's written stories that aren't horror. Um, arguably, most famously, at least in my head, is Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, which was the novella that inspired uh, not not only inspired, but you know that the movie, the Shawshank Redemption, was based on that story. And that's you know that's that's kind of the that's kind of sort of the furthest thing away from a horror story. And and from you know for me for my money, that's the best writing Stephen King's ever done. But that's you know that's neither here nor there the the point that i was trying to make is that while i've read a lot of stephen king and stephen king is very much regarded by you know i i you could make the argument by most people uh he's considered the king of horror so so the fact that i've read you know more than a few stephen king novels it's it's um you know it it's not saying much because uh, so have a lot of people right but as far as my as far as my you know reading goes, as far as reading horror novels, that's kind of the extent of it. And I I, I know Stephen King; he's not the only horror writer that I've read. But uh, as I sit here talking to you, he's he's kind of sort of the only horror writer that I could that I can name, uh, you know, especially in, in terms of uh, his name and names of his novels. That's about it. And uh, and you know, like I I like I know I don't mind telling you because I it's I'm not telling you I'm not. It's not like I'm telling you a secret at this point. Um, One, you know, one horror author does not make me a a, a very big reader of horror. And I already know that. I've never thought of myself as a big reader of horror. Like I said, you know, my love of horror stems from movies. And, you know, by extension, television. Partly from, you know, television shows that, you know, that uh, engage in the horror genre. But also horror movies. You know, the great majority of horror movies that I've watched in my entire life, I've seen them. Uh, I've seen them on television, so you know movies and television. That's where I engage in horror, not 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 in fiction, not in books, not in not in novels. And it's not that I avoid them. I'm more than happy to read a horror novel. Uh, right this second, if it's a good book, I'll read it right now. But I don't necessarily look for horror novels to read. And like I said, I'm not very familiar with the uh, with the any of the prominent uh, voices of horror. Now, as far as what I have read a lot of, um, I don't know. I mean, I read a little bit of everything, but uh, I guess if I think of what I read a lot of uh, over the uh, over the years, uh, I, I guess it's fair to say that I read a lot of literary fiction. That's probably, if there was if there was some sort of a, a scale, if there if there's some sort of a pie chart that that marked the percentage of what books I read and what genre they fall into. I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out that uh, literary fiction would represent the the largest slice on that on that pie chart. But even as literary fiction goes, I mean, there's you know, literary fiction can encompass you know a whole you know all sorts of genres really. I think um, you know like with Inside the Outside, for example, uh, I consider it to be literary horror. That's how I think of it but you know i I don't know i don't even though i wrote it and that was my intention when i wrote it well actually you know that's 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 not true either when i wrote inside the outside when when i started writing it i i never thought of it as a horror novel and uh you know it's, it's 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 now that it's been a few years since i published it and uh readers have read it and enjoyed it and it's and it's been very much promoted and marketed as a horror novel it's still funny me it's still funny for me to think that that i didn't i I didn't sit down to write a horror novel even though i did sit down to ultimately write a story about a cult of of cannibals and and you know what that involved a lot of gore and violence and and death and some really really scary shit where i made a very conscious effort to construct scenes in the hopes of scaring the shit out of readers all that stuff was intentional and yet it never occurred to me i was writing a horror novel and you know i think that stems back to the fact that i i'm, I'm not a, i'm not a very heavy reader of of horror so it never occurred to me i was writing a horror novel i just thought i was writing a literary novel that had you know gore and violence and scary shit and then you know and it was my friend s.k. murphy who was the uh she was the first uh, beta reader who read the 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 first complete draft of inside the outside she was the one that told me it was a horror novel as soon as she told me it made perfect sense as as soon as soon as she said the words out loud this is a horror novel it was it was like uh it was you know the the light bulb went off over my head the veil was lifted and i couldn't believe that i i had no idea i was writing a horror novel from that point forward it it became super obvious and that's kind of how i treated it but you know anyway that said uh i thought i was writing a, a literary novel i thought i was writing literary fiction because again that's that's kind of sort of what i mostly read if you if, you know, if you were to look at my bookshelf it's not exclusively literary fiction I, I mean if you look at my bookshelf you'll see a little bit of everything from you know horror and fantasy and science fiction and literary fiction and uh memoirs and autobiographies and you know you'll see a whole lot of stuff but um Again, if there was some, if there was some sort of a pie chart, my guess is, you know, the, if not the majority of my books, then at least a, the, the the biggest chunk of them would fall into the into the the pie of literary fiction. Um, but beyond literary fiction itself, you know, when I read, uh, you know, what what I'm most drawn to, what most gets me excited to 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 spend time reading somebody else's book, is uh, i I love reading a book that has a compelling voice and a good story to tell as long as there's a compelling voice, and I'm talking specifically about the voice on the page the the voice of the the narrator, be it first person, third person, or the occasional second person, you know as long as the voice on the page is compelling and there's a good story to be told I'm in I don't care what the genre is literary horror, science fiction, fantasy. Romance, erotica, whatever. I'll read anything as long as, you know, the the voice is there and the story's there. And so for me, some of my favorite writers that kind of fall under, you know, under that umbrella, that kind of fit that bill off the top of my head, some of my very favorite writers uh, who I love their books, and you'll find them uh, on my bookshelf, are Tim O'Brien, Tom Robbins, Nick Hornby, Chuck Palahniuk, Ron Curry Jr., and James Brown, to name a few, and I, I could keep going, but um, those are some of my very, very favorite writers, and Chuck Palahniuk, he's probably the closest to a horror writer on that short list I just offered you, uh, but I have no idea how he thinks of himself. I don't know if he considers himself a, a horror writer. Um, I don't think that all of his novels are necessarily horror, but again, you know, I, I don't know. It's I I, I like to imagine... I mean, I've never met him, so I, I this is com- speaking completely from a place of ignorance. I have no idea, but I like to imagine that maybe he probably thinks himself in the same way that I think of myself, which is I just kind of think of myself as a writer. And as a writer, I you know, I'll occasionally uh, I'll occasionally tell a story that uh, that visits dark corners or that engages in uh, in, you know some of the conventions of of horror. But you know, with the with my next book that's coming out, not only is it does it deal with horror but it also kind of gets into the realm of fantasy and it also kind of you know maybe gets into the realm a little bit of romance and you could even make the argument that uh, both my uh my upcoming novel uh or novels if you will and even inside the outside to uh to a certain extent you could say that uh, that it dil- dilps what the fuck is that word <laughs> I think I was trying to say I, I couldn't decide between dip and delve, so whatever, delp. I'm gonna, you know, whatever, go with it. I'm just gonna invent a new word today. You could make the argument that inside the outside delps into the into 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 the uh, into the pool of erotica. So, so while it's primarily a, a horror novel, you know, I, I there's a whole lot of different influences that um, that I'm engaged with and that I that I enjoy that I enjoy writing about so if i don't really read horror fiction and that was kind of the point i was making just now i read a lot i read every day uh lately i've been reading a lot of graphic novels uh currently i'm actually reading nonfiction. i'm reading uh, uh goodness what the fuck am i reading um the joseph campbell book the uh ah fuck me this is going to bother me. Hold on. Give, give me one second. Cause I, I mean, I'm reading it. I read it every day. Cause I'm, I'm, this is the book that I'm reading every day until I finish it. Uh, let me go grab it really quick because this is just going to fucking kill me. Got it. Okay. Okay. It's, uh, the power of myth. That's what I'm reading right now. And it's, uh, it's this really, really wonderful nonfiction book. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a Joseph Campbell book who is uh, the the foremost uh, expert on uh, mythology. I mean, he's, he's, he's passed away, but I mean, even, even, even uh, posthumously, you know, he's, he's very much considered the, uh, the, the expert on, you know, mythologies, you know, uh, around the world, be they mythologies of uh, you know greek mythology or religion or the movies or you know contemporary you know mythologies he was the guy who knew everything and sort of could uh, uh contextualize it and ultimately you know write about it in terms they were both fascinating uh but also informative so in this particular book the power of myth uh, the, the power of myth um it's actually a conversation that he had with bill moyer who's a journalist and it was for a pbs series a a, a, a a series of of, of episodes that in, involved you know Bill Moyers having a conversation with Joseph Campbell so this book is essentially a transcript of their conversation um and it's it's wonderful it's very very engaging and entertaining and interesting and just the other day I was I was reading some of it aloud to Chanel just cuz I I knew that she would enjoy it as much as as, as I'm enjoying it and uh, and she did. She, you know, she loved it as I, you know, it was it was in the morning. She was getting ready for work, doing her makeup. And so I was I was reading to her. And, you know, uh, um, I think she was disappointed she had to go because she was, you know, really digging it. So anyway, I guess my my, my point beyond that is um, I, I you know, I'm reading. I, I, what the fuck is my point? I guess really the point I'm trying to make you is of all the reading I do. And I, again, like I said, I read every day. Not one day passes where I don't read a little bit of something, whether it's a novel or a nonfiction book, like the power of myth or a graphic novel. Like the, the one that I, the book that I just finished reading before I picked up the power of myth was, uh, the, the new 52 Joker story. So I guess it's just called the Joker and it's a series of, uh, uh, Joker stories called uh, death, death of the family. So, uh, so I just finished reading that it was a Chanel got it for me for Christmas. So that was, was very good by the way. I very much enjoyed it. So anyway, let me stop interrupting myself, the the point that I'm trying to make is that I don't read a lot of horror, which is another reason why I don't feel like it's fair to call myself a horror writer, because I think if you're a horror writer, you're writing horror primarily because you have uh, an innate love of horror. and you, you, you Like I said, you, you read horror, you engage in horror. You're active in the horror community You're you're familiar with the prominent voices all those things that i kind of listed earlier and i'm you know that's i'm not none of those things apply to me so so i always feel a little bit uh well i I was going to say i feel uncomfortable calling myself a horror writer but i don't call myself a horror writer but but when when i first put out inside the outside for the sake of promoting it and marketing it for at least a little while i'm sure there was a few times where maybe i referred to myself as a horror writer but even then it felt I don't know I felt kind of disingenuous and so um since I like I say I've I've um e- even if it was only to myself I stopped doing it and I didn't I didn't refer to myself in interviews as a horror writer though I didn't uh I didn't uh correct anybody if uh you know in an interview if they referred to me as a horror writer because you know it's I I don't know it's not like I said tech it's technically true so yeah you know, I wasn't I was never interested in uh splitting hairs with with anybody and again why would they know any different i've only published one book and it's a horror novel so you can see (laughs) i don't know you can start i think as as, uh as you listen here you can start it kind of sort of get the idea of um i I guess amongst other things why i decided to devote this week's episode to sort of meditating on horror because this is stuff that i think about uh a lot but that said you know again it's you know if i don't if I don't read horror fiction, how is it that, uh, that I wrote a book that, uh, that found itself on the bestseller list in horror on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com and the iTunes bookstore, you know, it is, yeah, it's, it, it was, I was, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a I'm I'm a best-selling author whose book was in the horror section. So again, how does that, how did, how do you go from not reading horror to writing a a best-selling horror novel well luckily i think i think there's an answer i have an answer is it the correct answer who the fuck knows but uh, i'll i'll give you i'll give you my take on how how and why i think that that happened uh, beyond let me let me just get this out of the way cuz i think it's worth saying outside of all the, uh, all the, uh, all the amazing strokes of luck that, that I encountered along the way. Cause I'm, I'm, I will be the absolute first person to tell you that you don't write a book that finds itself on anybody's bestseller list if you didn't get at least a little lucky along the way. And I didn't get a little lucky. I got a whole fucking lot lucky <laughs> along the way. So so that so just that's just let's just know that we both agree on that. So I'm not talking about luck. So beyond the luck itself, how does a writer like myself who doesn't read horror f- find their novel on on a best-selling list with other horror writers? Other horror writers, see what I just did there. I almost sort of uh, unintentionally included myself as a horror writer, which would sort of go against this whole uh this whole, you know, the, the 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 thesis that I established at the beginning of this, of this uh, little monologue of mine. So the 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 answer I think exists at least in part, in everything that I've set up until now. Which is my writing is influenced more than anything else, by, movies and television. So you know, movies that I watch in the theater. And, you know, television shows, of course, like I said earlier, like also watching horror movies on television. But specifically, I'm talking about, you know, episodic television series. You know, these these more than anything else have influenced my writing and not just horror, but all of my writing. Uh, And I'm sure that might sound a little bit counterintuitive to at least a few of you. But for me, it makes all the sense in the world. Because my my favorite stories, my very favorite stories, the ones that I go back to over and over and over again, are the ones that have actors and directors and screenwriters and costume designers and makeup artists and special effects and on and on. And you, you get my points. Those are the stories that I adore. Those are the stories that I love. And those are the stories since since I'm a little boy. That I go back to over and over again. I, my my favorite movies I'll watch, countless times. You know the the Shawshank Redemption. I I have no idea how many times I've seen it, but a lot. Uh, just just the other night, uh, Chanel and I were on the couch and I put on Silver Linings Playbook. It's a movie that just came out what a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I don't know. And I've seen it more more times than than the night than I can probably count right now because i love it uh I, I don't know what else to i uh, just uh the 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 dark knight that's another movie that i've watched countless times the godfather you know kill bill you know i could go on and buffy the vampire slayer it's a tv series i've seen every single episode of buffy the vampire slayer more than once more than once it was on for seven seasons i've seen every episode more than once i go back to these you know movies and tv shows all the time but when it comes to books I've rarely read the the same book more than once. Even the ones that I absolutely adore, I almost never go back to them more than once. I, I mean, well, to be clear, I never go back to them from beginning to end. You know, very often I'll pick up my favorite books and I'll just open them up to a random page and just, you know, read for a couple of pages because I know that I love that book. Uh, or sometimes I'll just read the beginning of it because I love the, you know, just just you know just just to get a taste of it, just to get a, a little a little fix. But I I pretty much never go back and read my favorite books more than once. And it's not it's not because I don't it's not because I don't love them, and it's not because uh, I I wouldn't enjoy the uh, the, the experience uh, read it again reading it again. Um, in large part, and probably in 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 the largest part, it's because I'm a terribly. Terribly slow reader. I, I mean, I'm I'm a good reader. I you know I I i you know I I I see the words on the page and and I I can translate those words in my brain into my imagination and turn them into uh, a story. And I can I can very much see the movie that the that the that the writer is creating on the page, assuming that they're a good writer with a compelling voice and a good story to tell. I can do the rest in my imagination. Um, so maybe more than being a slow reader, I'm, I'm a methodical reader. Like I like taking in the words. That's a big part of it for me. Like I'm not just absorbing information. Like if, if for, I think if you read fast, um, a lot of what you're doing is sort of very quickly, you know, taking in the information to see what the story's about, which makes perfectly good sense. Um, I like, you know, I, I really appreciate the, the words. I, I appreciate a really well-crafted sentence. I, I appreciate a beautifully crafted paragraph or chapter, you know, things of that nature. So, so for that reason, beyond the story itself, uh, I find that, you know, I just enjoy the the writing. And so I resort slowly and methodically, and I really, I really absorb everything, at least as much as I can. And so that said, because I am a very slow methodical reader, I can't really spare the time to go to going back and reading a book again especially if i ever plan on getting through the pile of books that's currently leaning against my overstuffed bookshelf um and if i'm lucky i'll never get through my stack of books because it means that there's always going to be a wonderful book uh waiting for me to read and that's a that's actually a very nice thought but like i said movies on the other hand I've watched my favorite movies so many times I can recite them by heart. I could, you know, I can I can tell you which 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 scene is coming next before it comes. Uh, Jaws, that, that's another one. Uh, Jaws is another one of my favorite movies that I, you know, I'm I'm happy to watch it anytime it's on TV. Sometimes I'll just put it on myself. I just I love it. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, and it's been like this for my entire life. So again, for that reason, uh. I know, I, I, as much as you can know this sort of thing, I know that I learned how to tell stories by watching movies, and I learned how to tell stories by watching television. And I know that, uh, that my storytelling instincts have been cultivated and shaped and affected and uh, ultimately you know, uh, uh, developed by watching movies and watching television. Now, later in my life, when I was in college and studying English, that, that's when I learned how to write prose fiction. And that's when I learned how to write what you might call literature. And ultimately what I did was take my, my lessons and ultimately my, my education in prose fiction and, and writing you know writing prose fiction and writing literature, and I applied those lessons, to the storytelling instincts that I developed and learned over a lifetime of watching movies and television, and i didn't do this out of any sort of grand or cynical plan like I had no forethought of you know okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna go to college i'm gonna study english i'm gonna i'm gonna workshop and i'm gonna sit in these classrooms and i'm gonna learn how to write, and then i'm gonna take these skills and i'm gonna apply them to the stories that I see in, in movies and television like there was no there was no grand plan like that it was just that you know i was learning how to write and then when it was time to really like really write my own stories like really tell the stories i wanted to tell the stories that i really wanted to tell the stories that i loved the most and that i wanted to reflect in my own writing they were the stories that i saw in movies and in television so it's just what made the most sense to me and this is what brings me back to horror movies so if i love watching movies and if movies taught me how to tell stories and if I spent the great majority of my life enjoying horror movies, then it's not too surprising that when it came to finally writing my first novel, that it should be a horror novel. And so, 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 when, so when I look at it in that sort of an arc, it makes perfectly good sense to me that my first novel would, would absolutely be a horror novel. In fact, it's goddamn downright logical, if you ask me. Now, part of the reason that I've spent this much time already and that I'm devoting this week's episode to talking about horror is because my buddies, Tim Chismar, and the official comic book expert of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, they recently interviewed actor Tony Todd for the horror website Icons of Fright. Uh, You can find find that website at iconsoffright.com. Now, thanks to the generosity of Icons of Fright and its editor-in-chief, Jerry Smith, I get to share with you guys this week the audio of that interview with Tony Todd. Now, I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. But first, a word on Tony Todd. Now, in the interview that I'm I'm going to play for you in just a minute, uh, Tony Todd is promoting his latest film. It's called Banish. Uh, The film also stars Danny Trejo, who Chanel and I affectionately refer to as Machete. But when I was a kid, I had no idea that Tony Todd even had a name. I knew who Tony Todd was, make no mistake. I knew who he was, but I had no idea that he had a name. I didn't really ever think of him as a, as a person who existed in real life because I only knew him as Candyman. Now, Candyman was one of the scariest movies I ever saw as a kid, and it is. If it's not obvious already, it's a horror movie, especially if you've never seen it. It's a horror movie based on a story written by Clive Barker, another one of the uh, you know the, the prominent voices of 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 horror, and and it is one of those movies that I went back to more than once and watched it more than a few times, aside from scaring the shit out of me. Candyman was also the movie that inspired my lifelong crush on Virginia Madsen. And that's a crush that still exists today. As I sit here talking to you guys, like when I watched, uh, when I watched sideways with Paul Giamatti and, uh, you know, Virginia Madsen, not only was she in it, but she earned a, an Academy award nomination for best supporting actress. Um, a, a good deal of my enjoyment of watching Virginia Madsen and, and uh, sideways was remembering, um, uh, You know what? How much I loved her uh, as as a as a kid—not just a kid, but you know, really a a a young boy and embarking on on puberty. So make of that what you will. Anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and step away from the mic for the next 20 minutes or so, and I'm gonna let you uh, listen to this really, really wonderful conversation with my buddy Tim Chismar and uh, horror acting icon Tony Todd. So, actually, you know what? It, it's, even as I it, just now I realize as, as I referred to Tony Todd as a horror acting icon. One thing you're going to hear in this conversation is Tony Todd. Uh, he 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 winces a little bit at uh, at being regarded as uh, as an icon. But I'll let you. I'll I'll let him explain himself. So anyway, without further ado, uh, here's Tim Chismar's conversation with the Candyman himself. Tony Tons.
1: All right, here I am, Tim Chismar, here with Tony Todd, noise, is it? The, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, and I didn't even know that he plays an instrument. I the, play uh,
2: forks because from my Transformers days,
1: the silverware. That's yeah. right. Well, that's <laughs> Quick, great. Clank, 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 clank. So I did get a chance to see a copy of this, and uh, and it's it's a blast. It's a oh, great it's action fun, film. Eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And it's always nice seeing you in these projects. You know, you're kind of uh, Mr. Cameo. You know. Well, uh, yeah,
2: not always, but I love uh, love being approached by young filmmakers that have a vision, and uh, I liked the script when I read it, and I met with Brian, and uh, you know, I I I liked his direction of this because. It's, it's claustrophobic, and at the same time, the cinematography showed the world outside yeah. through the van windows, which is quite impressive. And I did a total, I mean, there's basically six characters in this piece. You know, myself, Danny, Mariah, uh, Austin, Sam, and, uh, and, and Brian, and then the four stunties at the end. Right. So, but it feels larger than that. It feels like like they go to places and yet they never go inside. Mm-hmm. The van is always a character to sort of peripherally in the background. I, I appreciate that. So much Hitchcockian.
1: It definitely made itself its own character. It's mm-hmm. always good to I see that
2: we should call the van the second character.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. not the
2: primary character.
1: That's true. Um, something I thought was uh, tickling me uh, in the uh, the logline for the film. They were talking about how it's a take no prisoners kidnapping movie. Well, if it's a kidnapping movie, there's at least one prisoner. At least one.
0: But <laughs> I think at
2: some point the movie shifts midway through, and you don't know who the victim is. Right.
0: Right. You know what
1: I mean, the whole backstory with the, oh. the missing parents. And, exactly. Yeah well that well that's exciting I yeah. mean me I'm a cop I've been on the duty for 30
2: years I woke up another day pressed my shirt my pants shined my shoes little did I know
1: yeah well um, Danny, Danny Trejo and yourself um, you were also in sushi girl together yeah so um do you guys enjoy being on the same projects?
2: I, well, I think Danny and I respect each other. We're uh, two veterans of a long and distinguished career. Um, I respect Danny tremendously. I mean, I was happy that he was able to do me a favor because I produced since you and, and come join us for that party. Oh, that
1: that was tremendous. Yeah, uh, that was really... Fun. Yeah, that was yeah, so I mix it up. I
2: can do a full-length thing, and I just finished, I just finished a new film called Cold Descent where... I'm in 90% of it So It just bounces around And then I'm Currently in rehearsals For this wonderful project Which is a one man show Called Ghost in the House Which is going to be Getting a lot of attention It's about Jack Johnson
1: A one man project one
2: man show On stage Which is my first life Wow We're actually going to Be coming to Jersey At some point
1: I didn't know that, that, yeah. that theater was uh, was a passion of Oh course. yeah,
2: that's where I started. That's when I got my MFA in theater arts from the Distinguished Trinity Rep Conservatory in Providence, Rhode Island by way of Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Connecticut, which is where I'm from. And I always go back to it. I've been on Broadway twice. Uh, been on almost every regional theater in, in the country. New Jersey, I've been uh, Crossroads and New Jersey Rep and... Princeton So yeah
1: Well I'm curious um, I love theater as well I'm a Do big you? theater Absolutely awesome. I, well, I, You
2: must come see our show
1: I would love to I was yeah. actually Just at a show last night A friend mm. of mine's show Just opened And it's about a cemetery And ghosts and whatnot. How um, was it? It, uh, it was okay It was a little little dry For my taste okay. I like it a little more lively but, uh, okay. um, but the theater experience There's nothing like it To be That's live, live. And In the moment and, uh,
2: You smell the aromas You're right there You're in the moment well, that, that's emotions. why I was
1: curious. Sometimes theater people can be a little snooty when it comes to horror. And you've made your name with uh, Candyman and Hatchet, too. Well, and
2: you know... How it, do you feel that they, that they blend? Uh, well, that's why I keep running back to theater.
1: <laughs> just to remind him, You're like, hey, guys, I still... No, look,
2: you know, you don't, as an actor, you have no control over what your output's going to be or what medium's going to come to you. You just hope and pray that you are got to be able to sustain yourself and continue to work. So Candyman, which is probably the start of the whole horror adventure, was the cards that were dealt to me. And I'm absolutely proud of that film. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a cult classic. Not a day goes by without an interview. People come up and interact.
1: Absolutely. For a film that's
2: 22 years old, that's that's quite an accomplishment. And it gotten got me into a lot of doors, literally.
1: Well, I, I think you're one of the the, the preliminary horror icons uh, that that's yeah. on the scene. I mean,
2: well, that that term frightens me because I mean, to me, that feels like a museum piece. Something oh, like oh, I should to say, glass hey, paste. I'm not done yet Come here, yeah, let's see <laughs> the fossilized version of Tony Todd No, I, uh No, I mean that all uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I know you do it I know your website is iconic anyway, so Yes But that's why you would reference it But I, that term, as a human being, bothers me a little bit Not, not in a disturbing way, but just in the To me, the success of longevity in the acting career is to be able to be grounded, A, staying humble, which is essentially important. The minute you believe your own press, then things can go downhill. So I have a full life. Uh, My daughter is getting ready to graduate from graduate school at Columbia. Uh, That was one of my biggest accomplishments. You know, from Wesleyan to Columbia, two distinguished schools on the East Coast, Which is where I'm from. I'm from Connecticut.
1: I'm from Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, okay,
2: well there we go. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I loved everything about it except for the Let me hear you
2: say (laughs) go New England Patriots. Huh? Mm. Part of Pennsylvania I'm...
1: I'm from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Erie. okay, that Steelertown, is. huh? Yes, oh, all right, well, yeah. say,
2: let me say, go New England Patriots. Well, you, come on now. That Steelers
1: Browns oh, rivalry is that? ridiculous. Well, okay. You going to the wrong bar with the wrong, <laughs> no, I know. Jersey, with the wrong shit. I actually, I actually
2: wrote a movie script about that, that, it, that took place during the four hours of a playoff game.
1: So, one day the uh, the one person play that you're doing how much say do you have in that are you reworking well somebody? yeah
2: Whereas, you know Jack Johnson is a very flamboyant iconic character in American history but me and the director Frank Magnier, we, we talk we discuss we cut we trim we edit we find out we're looking for the truth you know we're doing a benefit performance uh, on the 26th at uh, Steve Allen Theater for the LA Press Corps oh great I uh, just did an interview yesterday with NPR about it um, so yeah it's going place the ultimate goal is New York but we may have to go we're going to take it circular like all the places that Jack Johnson fought you know, Galveston Chicago etc cetera.
1: nice very nice what do you want people to take away from uh, from this most recent film to
2: vanish yeah uh, it's a good time it's uh, it's uh, it's fun you know I think it's gonna uh, it's gonna skew young in terms of the I mean our lead character Raya right, is you know 26 and I think that uh, it's definitely a heroine role kick ass uh, against all odds uh,
0: uh,
2: uh, escapist uh, revenge, fantasy. So I think people that like that are going to love it, and and filmmakers should love it. I mean, if you look to me, it's kind of like when Steven Spielberg started with uh, Duel, when we had a, a you know a truck and a man. There's similarities here. you got four people trapped in a van. And how do we make that interesting for 90-plus minutes? Right. And I, and I think uh, Brian does a good job of, uh, of accomplishing that. And then bringing in, you know, a couple grizzled letters in, along the way. You know, I don't but mind, don't
1: call them icons, because they're not in a museum. I, I
2: don't mind getting the... How can I say if I give it away? Uh, I don't mind getting uh, You know,
1: dispatched again Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm I I was, uh, that surprised me That did surprise me Then we did our job Yeah You know (laughs) Then we did our job
2: With a few false scares along the way, too Sure You never know You don't know what to expect Anytime you have a desert and that iconic landscape thing And a journey You just never know what's going to happen It's almost Sam Shepard-like
1: well, it's very creepy, the whole Death Valley, uh, you know, really cold at night, really hot during the day, barren right, exactly. landscape, when are you going to see the next person, right. it's, uh, you know...
2: The sunshine, the overbearing heat.
1: Yeah. You know? I had to
2: drive an hour and 20 minutes to get to location, so I knew I was heading somewhere special.
1: Yeah. What better be? It better be. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> there better be crafty waiting at the right? end of this drive.
2: No, there's no crafting in the independent world, you know that. <laughs> those days belong to films like The Rock <laughs>
1: Uh, shoot. well I'm uh, I'm excited and we're happy to be you know a part of uh, getting the word out because this is something that people definitely need to experience. and yeah, there's uh, a lot
2: of buzz about it already. I, yeah. mean, uh, I think the distribution company has done a great job with uh, you know tagging the social media platforms and stuff. And as I know a person on my own Twitter feed that sure. there's a lot of a lot of anticipation. So
1: well that are that's, we
2: following each other? Otherwise, uh, your group? Yeah,
1: well, I'm sure the group is absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Lily. Right. Really? Yeah. Okay. They they love you to death. So oh, it's it's was nice a, it was it was a out. little war to get who was going to come in uh, and talk to you. So well, I'm glad you weren't. In. I was at the top of the mound. <laughs> you were at the top of the. <laughs> <laughs> is your group. Yeah. it your group. Well, I'm a writer for Fangoria, and oh, I, I write you. horror films and stuff. i oh, you actually at Dark Delicacies around Sushi Girl time. So okay. I'm a freelance. Um, I, I What's don't. your project? What's your next project? I'm. Uh, <laughs> I have a three book deal with Omnium. <laughs> gather them and I'm doing a um, interesting horror movie oh you already shooting it I I'm writing and producing it
2: okay great yeah well maybe I pass across again
1: that would be that would be tremendous yeah. that would be wonderful <laughs>
2: you know how to reach me. Right?
1: Yes. yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> and then you know Neil
2: Fisher too, right? I do. Okay, I do. i go. You know
1: Kern? Clive Barker and I are friends. Oh, no He's doing the forward to one of my books. So. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, so. Did you
2: see the new uh, Candyman uh, vinyl thing that came out? No. Yeah, Philip Glass, uh, they finally talked to him and he put it on vinyl, and there's three different versions one with a beehive, uh-huh. one with uh, stark white, and one with the traditional black. And uh, there's only 75. 100 copies of those. And they were kind enough to send me 25. I thought it was going to be a little more, but hey, 25 for... you know. But they're already on eBay going for like 300 North, and that's without a signature.
1: Wow!
2: Yeah, so it's pretty hot. I, I'm a vinyl guy. I'm a music guy. From another life, I'd be immersed in music.
1: I know people are very excited about the VOD release for this movie. What can you tell us about that? Vanish is going to be available on... I've never been interviewed like this before (laughs) let me start again um Vanish will be I am sending this to Howard Stern now well I'll call my friend over at Howard Stern and make sure this doesn't make it on air um uh, Vanish is going to be on VOD so cable VOD um iTunes Amazon Google Plus February 24th it'll also be on DVD and Blu-ray disc the same day fantastic
0: big thanks yeah, to Icons of Fright, with, um, Jerry Smith, Tim Chismar and Anthony Ray Bench for that I very much appreciate you guys uh, sharing the the interview with me and allowing me to share that interview with my listeners this week I hope you guys enjoyed it now looking back uh, on Candyman, part of why I left Candyman as a kid was that it had a story there was a certain mythological weight to it like I'm not, um, especially now, you know, as I'm as as a as a as an adult, as a, as a as an adult male who's you know staring forty in the face, not quite forty, but I can see the whites of its eyes. Um, I I don't love horror for its own sake. Like I don't love I don't love slasher porn. I don't want to. I don't simply want to see terrible shit happen to people just for the sake of having terrible shit happen to people I like, to, I like there to be a story involved I like there to be a certain purpose to it and so Candyman had that like I said there was a certain mythological weight to it now that said it, it probably goes without saying that when I was a kid watching Candyman I wasn't thinking of it in those terms but it makes sense to me now that that's why it should, that, that's why it should stand out in my mind almost a quarter of a century later If you're not familiar with Candyman, the plot follows a graduate student, played by Virginia Mattson, who's completing a thesis on urban legends who encounters the legend of Candyman, Candyman of course played by Tony Todd. Now, The character of Candyman is an artist and also the son of a slave who was murdered and his hand replaced with a hook. The legend claims that Candyman can be summoned by saying his name five times while facing a mirror whereupon he will murder the summoner with his hook hand it's fucking terrifying right now amongst amongst other things uh, the, the story of candy man especially as a kid it reminded me of the of the bloody mary urban legend that involves standing in front of a mirror with the lights out and saying bloody mary three times uh and then you know i guess something awful would happen depending on you know which of your childhood friends you know Dared you to do it uh and again which by the way it's something to this day i still don't have the nerve to do uh even as an adult male staring you know 40 right in its eyes uh you're 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 gonna have a very hard time getting me to to go into a a room with a mirror and turn the lights out and say bloody mary four times and if you're thinking to yourself that's pretty silly then you're absolutely right that is pretty goddamn silly I mean, why wouldn't I do it? Do I think something would actually happen if I did it? No, no, of course I don't think something would happen if I stood in front of a mirror and turned the lights off and said Bloody Mary three times. But I'm still not going to do it. It still doesn't stop me from feeling, I don't know, something. Scared, terrified, anxious, something. It makes me feel something. It makes me feel enough of something that I'd rather not do it. And I don't know why. Maybe it's the lack of control that scares me. I mean, because what if, what if there actually was a Bloody Mary, and what if I, what if I said her name in the mirror three times, and then I don't know, she fucking came out and slapped me across the face, or kissed me on the cheek, or stabbed me in the the dick. I have no idea what she would do, I, but, <laughs> but whatever. Obviously, these are also fears that stem from uh, from being uh, a kid. I guess it's the kind of fear that uh, that grows up with you, and I still sort of remember what it feels like because you know it's still very fresh in my mind but uh the other thing and and this i know more clearly this i this this i can say with with absolute certainty is i don't enjoy the feeling of being scared that's kind of strange right i mean i already told you that i love horror i love horror movies i love horror television shows uh i've i've certainly read horror novels that i absolutely loved. i love the horror genre i love horror and by and large it stands to reason that the purpose of 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 the horror genre at all is it's uh it's it's, is it scares people it scares its audience that's that's part of the fun right lots of people love being scared i'm just not one of them in fact i hate being scared it's one of my least favorite feelings in the entire world um but i also think part of the reason i like watching horror movies more than once is that I can actually enjoy them more in the second and, term th- second and third times around when I don't have to shield my eyes or plug my ears or walk away from the TV or pause it and pretend like I have to use the bathroom because I, cause I need to take a break. Uh, I, I love being able to watch the story unfold, knowing what was going to happen, uh, but also the characters, they don't know what's going to happen, right? So I get to watch them go through t- these terrifying ordeals. Not every not everybody's surviving, right? Uh, and you know, but I don't have to be scared and I get to just enjoy the story and watch these other people get scared because let's be honest, it's way more fun watching other people get scared, right? That actually, okay. This reminds me of a story. So when I was 19 years old, I, it was Halloween uh, or at the very, at the very least like Halloween season. Right. And I went to Universal Studios Halloween haunts. So it's, you know, every year, you know, if there's most every theme park. Has some sort of you know uh halloween horror themed uh you know event of some sort so I went to the one in universal studios in um in in in, in, in hollywood I was 19 years old. I went with the uh, with my friend Daniel, and uh, he. It, it was all very last minute. His dad had gotten tickets from work or something. And, you know, Daniel called me up like an hour before. He's like, "Hey, you wanna go?" I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like fun, right?" I love Universal Studios and I love horror movies, so this seemed like a fun thing to do. So we went to Universal Studios Halloween Hunt, and I didn't know what to expect. But when we got there, it was super cool. Like the whole park, it's basically, it's it's like walking, it's it's like being in a in a in a living breathing horror movie, right? Because there's 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 people in costumes you hear people screaming there's you know it's it's all decked out to look like a horror movie which is super cool and so so we got in line we were waiting in line for something it didn't even occur to me to ask what we were waiting in line for because we were at a theme park so i don't know i just sort of without thinking about it just assumed we were we were waiting in line for uh, like like a roller coaster or something or to do a i don't again like i don't even know what i thought we were waiting in line for i just knew we were waiting in line and it wasn't until we got closer to the front of the line that it occurred to me to even kind of ask what what, we were waiting in line for and it it turned out we were waiting in line for a a haunted maze I guess you'd call it or at the very least just like a maze that was intended to scare the shit out of people and uh, I'm sure Daniel knew all along exactly what we were waiting in line for and I'm sure he I'm sure he didn't even want to tell me just because you know he wanted to he wanted to enjoy because again it's way more fun to watch somebody else get scared so and I was terrified. I didn't want to walk through a haunted maze because uh, the idea of anybody scaring me would just it's it's just it's not fun. Like I said, I don't enjoy the feeling of being scared, but they were letting people in in groups. Right. They were sending people in five, six at a time. So I figured, OK, well, this is this 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 seems safe. Right. I'll, I'll be in a group of five or six people. I could maybe kind of hide myself in the middle of them and whatever scary stuff happens it'll be you know buffered by all the other people around me. Well, as luck should have it, you know, as you know we got to the front of the line and uh, the the gentleman who was letting people into the maze, he cut us off. Uh with you know he like he sent one group in then he then he cut us off, which meant I was going to be the next person to go in. And uh, and even and even though he sent us in as a group eventually, uh because my friend Daniel thought it was hilarious that I was terrified, not only did he make me go into the maze the maze first, but he let me go probably a good 10 or 15 feet before he came behind me like he wanted me to be completely alone because he thought it was hilarious. So I figured, you know, how how scary can this really be ultimately? You know, I was like, 19. I was like, I'm I'm a young man. I'm a grown-up. This how scary this can this be? Well, it turns out if you're me, it was really fucking scary. Every every little trick, every little jump, every little noise, everything that they had that was supposed to scare me, All of it worked to a T the people working that night, you know, they, I, I hope they, I hope I made them feel good about themselves because every one of them scared the shit out of me. And it was so scary that I got about halfway through the maze and my fight or flight instincts kicked in and I couldn't stand it anymore. And almost, almost against my, my will, I don't think I made a conscious decision to do it. It was just literally my, my body and my mind's instincts. I started running as fast as i could i was sprinting through the maze and i was running so fast that i could see the people whose job it was to scare me and i was running as fast as i could and i could see them looking at me like what the fuck is this weirdo doing running through the maze but that's how scared i was i couldn't i couldn't take it uh and so i ran all the way till i got to the end of the maze and then i sort of hung out for a minute you <laughs> know catching my breath until daniel eventually came through laughing and i'm sure the people with him are also laughing everybody everybody had a good laugh at my expense because i was fucking terrified uh, in the maze and um and I, it was like you know I, I was like why why did i do that i, I never want to do that again and of course later in the night i did another maze because again i don't know if i wanted to prove something to myself and that other maze you know it was it scared the shit out of me and i was like i will never do that again why the fuck did i do that but then the following year, Daniel and I, we went back to the Universal Studios Halloween Haunt. I guess I thought I had something else to prove. I thought it wasn't going to be scary this time. It was fucking scary. I think I did at least one maze that night, and it was still scary. And I, I learned my lesson. That was that was like 16 years ago, and I haven't been back since. I might go back eventually. I, in fact, I tried to talk Chanel into going last year. So, um, And I'm sure it's going to be the same thing. We're going to be like, I'm almost 40 years old. How scary can this shit be? And I'm sure it's going to be fucking scary. But anyway... I'll tell you about that if it ever actually comes up. Anyway, I I know I could probably go on for another hour or so uh, meditating on, on horror and talking about movies and TV and books and, and horror writing and whether or not I'm a horror writer. But I think I've, I've talked enough this week. So this is probably a good spot to wrap things up. Uh, before I go, remember, if you have any shopping to do, uh, if you want to buy a, a horror novel, if you want to get yourself a copy of Inside the Outside, if you want to get your copy of of Candyman and and uh, and see what it was about this movie that uh, that affected me so much, uh, go to Amazon.com. But before you go to Amazon.com, go to the official website of this podcast, com, Go to the shop page, click on the Amazon banner, and then uh, then do that shopping. Buy Inside the Outside. Buy Candyman. Buy Uh, nightmare on elm street Buy by anything right and whatever whatever shopping you do because you went through the official website of this podcast amazon will kick a few pennies back our way then we get to take those pennies reinvest them into this show and we get to make this show as good as we can possibly make it for you which is exactly what we want to do week after week uh also if you're not already subscribed i would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on itunes uh, and that way every week a new episode drops and just drops right into your computer your iPhone wherever you listen to, to podcasts it's going to be right there waiting for you makes your life super convenient uh, you can also catch the show on stitcher radio so so you've got lots of options and uh, th- th- there's nothing better in life i I think than having options right having having freedom it, It's wonderful the freedom to freedom to listen to a podcast whenever and wherever you like the freedom to, to watch a movie uh that you know is going to scare the shit out of you but you but you watch it anyway right um it, it's, it's a great thing so anyway that's going to do it for us uh this week on the martin Lestrap show podcast hour i want to thank you all for joining me this week and i hope uh, as i wrap up i sincerely hope that you enjoyed the this uh this meditation of horror that uh that that I was doing in front of the microphone. Uh, For what it's worth, I certainly enjoyed it. So um, I hope you did as well. So until next time, I will see you on the other side.